there is that theme music. It means only one thing, Chuckster. It means it's another episode of The Steam Room, everyone's favorite podcast. Yes. Uh, you're looking good out there in Phoenix. Uh, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm so glad to be back on the podcast. I'm just so glad to see you. Ernie, let's get rid of Kenny and Shaq. We work so much better together, just us two. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and and I do enjoy I do enjoy our weekly conversations, and um, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Guy Fieri, one of my favorite people. Before this is all over, yeah, he's doing great stuff for restaurant employees who have been hit hard by this uh, by this whole coronavirus situation. So we'll spend a lot of time with him. So first of all, what you got? First of all, I want to still give a shout out to all the first responders. Uh, you know, this thing has been the craziest thing we ever been through in our lifetime. So first of all, it's always for, for the near future is going to be the first response and all the doctors and nurses out there who are busting their hump. Thank y'all. Now, my first of all, first of all, I could listen to that Mariah Carey song every day. Well, first of all, I've met Rob Lowe a few times in my life. That's a pretty man. First of all, Christmas Carolyn is not a thing. First of all, I don't even think Kale's a thing. First of all, I, I've i never used cologne. Oh, come on, I'm man. serious. First of all, Goodfellas is probably one of my top five movies. <laughs> you don't like Goodfellas? No, I don't. No, I just love talking to you, man, because you crack me up. The cop who threw Tom Brady out of the park when he was trying to work out in Tampa. Come on, man. And in the words of the great Tom Jackson, come on, man. You cannot throw Tom Brady out of the park when he's trying to practice and get ready for the season. I know the park is closed. I know the park is closed. But Tom Brady just moved to Tampa. Now he's got Gronk. But you can't throw Tom Brady out of a park. What if it was just Joe Blow who went on into the park? Oh, you can throw Joe Blow out the park. Yes, you can throw Joe Blow out the park. But that's a double standard there, Chuck. Yes, Tom Brady has earned the right to get a double standard. (laughs) Come on, Ernie. You're right. Joe Blow cannot go to the park. The park is closed. you got the greatest football player ever. He's new coming to your town. We haven't mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and so Tony Dungy was there back in the 90s. You get Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback football player of all time, and you throw him out the park for trying to get in shape for the season. Come on, man. You think a double standard is permissible there? For Tom Brady? Hell yeah. You know I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You know I'm just poking you. Hey, hey let me tell you something. To answer your question, if Joe Blow is in the park, Joe Blow got to go. <laughs> but he got to go. But you cannot throw Tom Brady out of the park when he's trying to work on his game. I give Tom Brady credit. He went to a city park. How about that, Ernie? He didn't skirt the rules and go to a private field and try to keep it on. He went to a public. Well, he did skirt the rules. The park's closed. No, no, no. He went to a public. No, 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 no. He gets a hall pass, brother. I got you. I got you. Any other first of alls? I'm excited for the draft. For every kid who's ever played a sport, to get drafted is a pretty cool accomplishment. I mean, obviously, everybody's not going to make it. But when they call your name, I'll never forget in my sweet burgundy suit. Chuckster, I never knew that maroon on maroon uh, 
could work like that uh, on an occasion that big? When they called me on stage, I've, it was it's, it's one of the greatest nights of my life. You think about all the stuff you've been through in junior high, high school, and college, and to get drafted. Like I say, obviously, I was a first-round pick. It's still an amazing night. I have a feeling that uh, our buddy, the legendary Tim Kiley, who, of course, has uh, long family ties to the Pittsburgh Steelers and is uh, really wired into the NFL, I have a feeling that later in this podcast, when it's his turn, he'll probably want to talk about draft night a little bit. So we look forward to that. Um, so anyway, let's. Uh, what do you say we take a break here now that first of all is is in the books? We have a wonderful guest standing by. Guy Fietti will join us next. I'm very impressed the way you're rolling that thing. Hey, I'm. You know, I've been try. I've been practicing for the last 24 hours. I and, like that. Uh, Guy's going to join us as the steam room continues. Please keep your towels on. We welcome you back to the steam room. Charles, this is not a political segment, but we do have a mayor with us. The mayor of Flavortown. A special guest. This goes beyond special, Chuckster. This goes beyond special. Guy Fietti, thank you so much. Joining us from... uh, around Napa. Great to see you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Big fan of both of you. And I don't know, I think the only way they're allowing you to have this show is because they keep you two separated. I think that's <laughs> the, I, you can't make that much trouble when you're in completely different states. That's me and Shaq who can't be in the same building. <laughs> they put you on the other, they put you on separate ends of the studio at least. Yeah. It has been enjoyable for me. It really has. It's nice to it's nice to see Chuck from this distance. And it's great to have you with us, too. Um, and I and I wanted to make sure that I pronounced your name correctly because people look at it and say Fieri, but it's Fietti. It's Fietti. You crushed it. Thank you. The any way to start a great interview is when you come out of the gate with the enunciation exactly right. Yeah, it's Fietti. There's a guy named Eddie. You've got to pay a fee. Yeah, and, and it used to be used to be fairy. You were born fairy, but this is a nod to your grandfather, correct? No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that uh, popular to be Italian when he came over. So uh, they take you know, fieri. They they, they just kind of round it out. Uh, the Ellis Island change, as they call it. But uh, no, it's uh, now we got. I took my family back. We went and found all of our cousins in Italy. I had to do a little research to do it, but there's a bunch of fietti's back there. Now I understand you and the Chuckster go back a long way, correct? To hear Chuckster tell it. Are we allowed to talk about all of it? <laughs> well, it depends on what network is on. Tell them all of the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time we run, in, run into each other, it's uh, one discussion about food or another. And we have been planning the great uh, Sir Charles and Guy Fieri Triple D uh, uh, experience somewhere. Um, and I just try to keep finding out what st- well, you know what city it's going to be in, so I can get bail money ahead of time. But we have had this conversation every time we do that. Like, when are we going on the road? He'll say the same thing. I, as soon as I get done with this, and then I'm like, well, as soon as I get done with that, but it's going to happen eventually, you guys. You know, I, I said this to Ernie on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I'm really sick of your face and swamp people. I have bands on every Triple D and every Swamp People for the last six to eight weeks. I got to tell you something, though, man. Number one, I love the fact 
that you're giving love to all these different restaurants in every state. I think that's amazing. But I got to tell you, every time I'm watching the show, I don't think a normal person knows how much care and love. Like when you say, I'm going to uh, soak something like 24 hours. And then I'm like, wait, when we go to a restaurant, they've had that thing somewhere sitting around for 24 hours, getting all the moisture. But also, I'm also amazed when you see somebody put 15 to 20 different things in, in something, I, I just admire the hell out of that. Well, you know what? It's, it's just as we all are in each, other, in each other's respective industries. You know, until you go to a basketball practice or you look at the uh, off-court conditioning that, that athletes do, you just sit there and go, wait, 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 I thought they just showed up game night and just went big. So everything has its level, its depth. And the, dig the, the, the farther you dig and the deeper you dig, the more you're going to see the difference between doing it and doing it next level. And so many of these places that we do on Diners, Drivings, and Dives um, are really folks that dig deep, you know, that they really go after it. And I think that that's what you're, you're getting a chance to appreciate. But there's, you're right, Charles. There's so much that people don't see behind the scenes that is going on in these little mom-and-pop restaurants across the country that make them so special. You, to make a beef broth, like for a uh, noodle dish, there's a lot of people that cheat it and get fun out of a can. You know, they get that broth out of some beef base. But the ones that do it and get the, you know, 50 pounds of the bones and cook it down for 12 hours and go through that, that's the difference. You can't always see, but you definitely can taste. Guy, I can only imagine that because of what you've done on Triple D, because of the people you've met, because of the restaurants you've seen, that when we go through something like this, you know how much some of these guys that maybe that you've featured on your show are struggling right now. I mean, hurting right now. Uh, that has to be so tough because you form some relationships with these with these folks and put a lot of them on the map. Again, spot on. That's why you guys are great hosts. You got all the topics. Uh, the restaurant industry has been hit harder than I think I've ever seen or ever heard of it being hit. Uh, tens of thousands of restaurants are closed, millions of employees without jobs. Um, I think that we've all kind of been in the mindset, restaurants don't close. Restaurants are open before we get up and the restaurants are well, they close after we go to bed. Restaurants are there. You can find a taco truck in the middle of the night coming out of a bar. Um, not that the three of us would ever do that, but you can, you're always going to have restaurants. So now they're closed. And now, and, and there's not a bunch of, there's not a big cash reserves in the restaurant business. I mean, we're, we're taking the money in today and buying produce with it the next day. I have 80 restaurants that I'm involved with in, you know, the Guy Fieri brand and all of them are closed, all but one. And we're doing takeout out of that. And we're just lucky that we can do takeout or delivery from that location. But yeah, you're right. It is, it's the hardship. And on top of this is the employees. You got three to five million employees right now without jobs. So we created this fund, RERF.us, and that's the Restaurant Employee Relief Fund. And I partnered with the National Restaurant Association uh, to create this fund. And as of last night, we're at $16.6 million. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's a ton of money and it's just a little bit of money because we're giving $500 grants to restaurant employees. And a lot of these restaurant employees, just, just so you know, don't have the chance to get unemployment. So we're, we've created this fund. We've already given 60,000 grants, uh, $500 grants and, and still building. So we're looking for, you know, if anybody has their favorite restaurant, their favorite milestone at a restaurant, 
R-E-R-F.us is a great place to make a donation and, and help out some of the folks in the business. And thank you for that soapbox you gave. <laughs> oh, hey, man, I told you, I've been watching a lot of Triple Ds because I, I think it, I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I just love the fact, like I say, when I go to a restaurant, I, and I'm a, I am wouldn't consider myself a foodie, but I love going out eating. And, you know, you just... That surprises to- me, Chuck. Aaron, I'm on a diet right now. Quit messing with me. Okay, sorry. No, but when you when when people go to a restaurant, they just want their food in 15 to 20 minutes. And I just can't. I just want to say, man, I'm so amazed at at, at the job, uh, the, the 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 people you show, how much love and attention to detail, and I, I just love that. But this is my question: Out of all the people in the world to get quarantined with? You right at the top of everybody's damn list. <laughs> so seriously, how much, like, are you, uh, you probably sick of cooking, but do you cook, do all the cooking right now? Charles, I am cooking like, I, I'm, I'm in my playground. I mean, my wife is actually going a little bit nuts about it because she comes, I'm up here at our ranch, and my wife, my youngest son, Ryder, um, the NBA fanatic of our whole family. The reason that we are such big NBA fans is is because of Ryder. Um, but anyhow, she'll come up to the ranch and she'll be like, because behind my pizza oven, there's a big two-door commercial refrigerator. And she'll come up and go, what is this? What did you make? You made meatballs. You made three different kinds of meatballs. We've got Italian meatballs. we got Mexican meatballs. We've got Asian meatballs. We've got clam chowder. we got beef stew. We've got paella. We've got pasole. She goes, who are you feeding? I said, I'm, maybe it's just nerves. I don't know. I'm cooking. I found, I have stuff. I've got time. I cook. because this is getting out of control. This is really, you have to come home. When I look at what you're doing now, and I just wonder, what are you, 52? Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you when you had this awesome pretzel cart in, in California? Were you just a kid? Yeah, I grew up in Northern California. We're in, I'm in Northern California now between Sonoma and Napa. But I'm, uh, I grew up in a little area called Humboldt, which is almost at the Oregon border. And my parents were both entrepreneurs. Um, they owned a couple of businesses when I was a kid. And I had a lemonade business and a lawn mowing business and so forth. But I was always food centric. I would, I would fake being sick to stay home to, to cook. Um, we had the, the Joy of Cooking book. And I would just, I didn't know how to cook anything. My parents weren't necessarily following a cookbook uh, recipe. So I just wanted to cook. And I love what it did for people. I loved how happy it made people. There's something about we don't like all we don't like same sports, same music, same politics, same humor, whatever. We all love food, so it was just something for me. So as a kid, uh, I would we'd go skiing in Tahoe, and I would eat those soft pretzels. And I spent all my lunch money eating these soft pretzels. My dad says, you know, <laughs> that's when you can let your kid go. He's ten years old, and he can go ski the whole mountain by himself, and you see him at the end of the day. Uh, but he said, if you love him so much, why don't you have your own pretzel business? And I said. Okay, great. He says, go down and ask the guy at the pretzel business for the address where he buys the pretzels. Because I'd never seen a soft New York style pretzel, not in Northern California. So I went down and asked the guy and he said, no. And I was defeated. I went back to my dad and I said, the guy said, no, he thinks I'm going to go into business and compete against him. I said, I'm 10. My dad says, you don't take the an answer. <laughs> he says, you go down there, you wait till that guy throws his trash in the dumpster, then you go get that box. So I went dumpster diving for my first concert, you know, for my first big uh, entrepreneur adventure. But I wow. got the address, and my dad helped me build the cart on the back of a three-wheel bicycle, and I would ride all over town and fairs and rodeos and sell those pretzels, and that was the beginning. Wow. And this is this was the soft ones with the, like, 
the big salt on them. Put a little salt on it, exactly. Maybe some hot, some spicy mustard on that bad boy. We weren't. It was it was nineteen seventy eight. We weren't at hot mustard yet. You know, we were okay. just we were just introducing this to people. But I got to be honest, when we first started doing it, and I sold these soft pretzels, I did have people that go, wait, 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 I ordered a pretzel. What's this steamy, soft, doughy thing? This isn't a pretzel. You know, it looks like one, but. We, we converted people real quick, and uh, oh my gosh, I'll tell you, it's uh, it, it was a business. The Austin Pretzel ran for a long time, but when I first made it onto TV, the first thing that I ever did was I started a project called CWK, Cooking with Kids, uh, my foundation, and we built pretzel carts and gave them to nonprofit organizations so kids could learn about entrepreneurship, working with the community, selling money, safety, sanitation, all that. You know, you talk about pretzels. Now, there's no better pretzels than Philadelphia pretzels, okay? Let's get that out of the way. How, how weird is it for you when you travel to different parts of the country and somebody thinks they make it better? Like, when you, when you, like I think I saw St. Louis somewhere. They think they have the best barbecue. I think in the South, we got the best barbecue. How do you navigate that dynamic? Well, I'll tell you, it's a great question. And I would say maybe 20 years ago, or when I first started Triple D, which was 50 years ago, it feels like, um, almost 1,300 locations ago, I would say that, yes, you want to get real deal uh, pretzels uh, or slice of pizza, and you either got to go to Philly or New York. You want to get real Mexican food, you got to go to Southern California, you got to go to Texas, Arizona. But I'll tell you what's happened. Through the Food Network, which I give them a ton of credit for this, and through the you know through the fact that the uh, World Wide Web is giving people info all the time, and and there's so many great apps like the Food Network app where people can watch videos. People are becoming so much more educated, and the and the products. I mean, I've been up all the way to Minneapolis and found some of the greatest Mexican markets and and butcher shops that you would think you were in you know that you were in Mexico. So it was kind of that, but I'll say it to you this way, and I think this is about anything that you're having the experience because the experience really paints the plate. It really kind of sets you. I was just at a 76, uh, 76ers game with, uh, with uh, Michael Rubin and sitting there. And I'm a Warriors. So I'm a Golden State Warrior guy. But I'm sitting there watching a the game, and I'm in the moment of the 76ers, and we're getting after it. And I'm like, man, this is one of the coolest games I've ever been to. But I'm a Warriors fan. So how could it be? Well, it's because when you're in the time, you're in the moment, you're in the experience. When that chef, and I don't care that you're in the middle of no, you're in Seattle and they're selling you on the fact that they're making you a, a New England clam cake. And this guy's talking about it and he's talking about the fresh seafood and you're going through this whole thing. So there's something about the experience. So I'm not going to say that you don't go to the point of origin to have the greatest thing that there is. But I will be honest with you, that what you're in the moment. It definitely is that the sensory factory definitely has a play. Does that make any sense? Yes, of course. I was all over the board with that. What is what is the weirdest food you ever ate? Gosh, I could just get myself in a lot of trouble saying that one right there. Yeah, don't go after that. You know what? I, I don't get that surprised by food anymore because I think I've tried just about everything and I've eaten some of the, you know, some of the ones you don't want to talk about. You know, the only thing I don't like is bad food. I just don't like when people, when you just don't treat it with respect, just what you were saying at the beginning of this, you know, take that time, do it right. Don't cut the corners. And I've had lamb tongue and I've had calf tongue. I've had bull ball, you calf balls, you name I mean, I've had the weird stuff, chicken gizzards. There's a place in uh, Michigan that sells fried chicken gizzards. Wait, 
I eat, I love chicken gizzards. My mother and grandmother used to make those of me all the time. I love chicken gizzards. But you don't see them on every menu across the United States, but you have a good chicken gizzard. Now, here's one thing. People get an attitude, Charles, about food sometimes. It's like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like uh, I don't like cauliflower. I don't like Indian food. Or I don't like chicken gizzards. You know what? I always say this. Give it another try and go to the source. Don't eat chicken gizzards at the airport. You know, that's how you get chicken gizzards. You go to some funky joint like Joe's Gizzard City. You know, that's when you do it. Hey, I've got a I've got a question for you, guy. And it's I mean, you've talked about the shared experience of of dining and and you know it, it's a special thing when you're out with friends and a dish is brought out and it's one of those speechless moments where you just look at each other and you make these faces like, oh man, that is so good. We know what it feels like as the consumer. What does it feel like for you to see those kind of reactions uh to something you've prepared? Well, the first thing is when that plate makes it to the table, if you've really done your job the right way, I don't care whose dish it is, if people have forks out and are reaching over the top of their partner and they're getting at that <laughs> dish, then I really did it right. Um, nobody's food is sacred at, at, at our table. I've been, you know, I love music and I love sports. I mean, I am a sports junkie. I would have been, if I ever had any, any ability. I mean, of course, we all want to, you know, we always uh, all wanted to be Dr. J. I tried to explain to my son, Ryder, every time we go to the NBA All-Stars, we see Dr. J, we talk. And he says, tell me that story about Dr. J. And I said, yeah, I mean, that's all we call ourselves, Dr. J. Um, but the same thing with going and watching live music. You know, uh, I was at a Post Malone show, and, and I'm standing, I'm sitting on the side stage watching him sing to people, people just losing their minds, um, especially when they're getting sung to. So for me as a chef, I'm no, I'm no Dr. J and I'm no Post Malone, but as a chef, when we serve food to somebody and they take that bite and you kind of watch that, <laughs> uh, well, you get that. I mean, that's, that's what we, that's what we cook for. You know, that's what they, that's what I'm every night, every day and night, you know, when I cook for my family, I stand, even though I've made the dish a million times, my wife knows that she has to look at me and say, it's really good. But she'll also look at me and say, did you forget something in this? I'll go, did I forget something? No, I didn't forget anything in this. No, this is, you know, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot the time. Damn it. You know, um, but it is a, it is a very, um, it's the same thing that I think you all get when you go to games or when you're interacting with the public and they come man, I love the show. It, it carries me through the weekday, through the weeknights. I watch the show all the time. I love what you guys, I love the banter. I love the statistics. I love the inside. I love the, the funnies that, you know, it's so yeah, I think it's that probably, probably very similar feel. Nothing like when Sir Charles dunks on somebody screams at the at the fans the fans go ballistic and are holding their jerseys out. It's probably not that experience but it's, a, it's probably a good third or fifth. Hey, have has Ryder met Chuck before? Yes. Well, that's how Chuck and I became buddies is we were up at the uh, tournament the golf tournament up in Tahoe and as we all know what a, what a nice easy going guy Sir Charles is He, I was there making pizzas with my kids um, they invited me to come play golf and I am the worst golfer. I'm not. No, not you're no, but you're talking to the worst. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, I think they should. I think one time they offered to pair us up together. And I said, only if you put people in hockey gear in the gallery, you know, <laughs> everybody's in hockey gear. But, uh, I, uh, we were up there and, and Ryder was just coming into his love of basketball. 
and my nephew was there. My nephew was saying, you know, explaining who Charles was and, and uh, came over and I have the greatest picture. It's in my office of, of Ryder sitting on Charles' knee, holding a pizza and Charles and then smiling. And it was just the neatest thing. And I'm like, you know what? And, I, and I've said this to Charles before he knows this. That was early on in my career. Said I take examples from people like Charles about how he treats his fans and how he takes the time to talk to people. And I've never been around him when we've been walking through a group of people or at some events, and he just doesn't stop the people and shake hands and say hello and take a picture. So it's uh, that that's how we met. Oh, when he hears that I talk to you guys, he's gonna lose his mind. He's really <laughs> he's really gonna go. You got to be kidding me! You couldn't have told me I was coming. Why didn't you zoom me in? I wouldn't. Yeah. I can't get the kid to remember all his homework, but if you want to know who's playing tonight and where they're playing and what their stats are and who just got traded and where they went to college, this kid can break it down for you. And every time we go through that, I'm like, and so how did you miss the book report? (laughs) I want to really just tell you, thank you again for taking time for us. But do me a favor, before we let you go, give us that uh, information one more time. So it's called... Restaurant Employee Relief Fund, R-E-R-F dot U-S. And someone said to me the other day, they said, hey, listen, I, my, my husband and I, we're, we're unemployed or we're retired. And, um, you know, what if I can only make a $10 donation? I said, do you know how much $10 is to somebody that doesn't have $10? That's dinner for four tonight on a table. And there's so much security and so much support in food. I mean, that's, one of the, that's like one of the core fundamentals, you know, air, water, food. And uh, $10 is awesome. We'll take any dollars. And that's a great place to make a donation. But it's also a great place for any employees that have worked in the restaurant industry. Um, It's very simple. You have to live in the United States. You have to have worked up until March 15th or whenever the deadline was. And you had to work in the restaurant industry for at least 90 days. Um, And and there's a big waiting list still to get the funding. And we're working every day to get more funding um, that we're just raising, raising through donations, raising through uh, sponsorships and so forth. Um, and let me tell you about another. So that's that program. There's another program which, Charles, I know you're really involved, or both you guys are involved probably with, is the All In Challenge. And the All In Challenge is done by our buddy uh, over at Fanatics, you know, Michael, the, the owner of the Seven Sixers. Fantastic program. I got to tell you, the, the offerings on there, I, I can't even tell my wife I keep going on there because I keep buying stuff, auction items, because the auction items are dynamite. You can bid on stuff and you can also buy auction tickets to put your name in the hat and a chance to win it. So I have one of my packages in there to come on Diners, Drivers, and Dives, to cook with me, to you know, cruise in the Camaro, and so forth. But there's a lot of great things. There's so many great ways that we can all support our country and everybody that's going through difficult times. And so I just say to folks, if it's not mine, just make it something that you can. And if you can't make a donation, just pass along a good message and pass along the good word so others can be informed about where they can help. That's uh, that's great stuff, Guy. We appreciate what you're doing and and appreciate the time you've taken today. Uh, I do want to point out my hat. I think the, the, I wore this hat today because I thought you would appreciate it. It's from it's from a baseball team called the Macon Bacon. That's a summer collegiate league in Macon, Georgia, and that is a strip of bacon swinging a bat so hard that his hat, which is a skillet, is flying off. Is that not a beauty? Well, I tell you what, it, it's all those it's all those teams that are, you know, the emerging teams that they get to have the craziest names, they get to have the coolest logos, they get to have all the they they have, they have all the swag, they have all the merchandise that we'd love to buy, and then you kind of look at some of the other leagues and you're like 
where are you with all that enthusiasm and personality? <laughs> no, I agree exactly. with you. I love it. I love yeah. Next time I see you, I'll take that from you. Charles, grab that hat for me, would you? Anything with bacon. Anything with bacon is good with me, too. <laughs> Guy Fietti, thank you so much, man. I think this is awesome what you're doing for everybody because we are we are hurting bad. We are missing it. We're missing it in every way, shape, or form. Um, but it's, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be uh, able to communicate socially like this and have these interactions. We probably wouldn't get a chance to have it in depth like this, but thanks for having me. And anytime you guys want to talk food, you both have my number. You give me a call. I'm the 1-800 line uh, to, to walk you through your next endeavor. Uh, don't, don't forget it. And, um, yeah, thanks again for having me. Thank you, my brother. Thanks. You guys are awesome. Thanks a lot. You got it. That was awesome, Ernie. Wonderful. What a good guy. You know, I, I, I meant what I said. You know, out of all the people in the world, you like him, uh, Gordon Ramsay, Andrew Zimmerman, Emeril Lagasse. If you're going to get trapped, you want to be trapped with somebody like those guys. We are back on the steam room. Yes. Chuck, I like it. I like to see that excitement on you. Chuckster, you lean back in your chair, you clapped your hands like you're into this, man. And, and, and is it because it's TK's segment? No, because there's absolutely nothing else going on in the world until I see your ass every Thursday in TK. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, this is it for me. I yeah. mean, this, this, is, this is our life right now. We, we, get, we get together every Thursday about a little over an hour, and that's the extent of my joy in my life right now. It's, it's sad, isn't it? Anyway, uh, TK, the longtime producer of Inside the NBA and the man with uh, a wealth of knowledge, not only of television, but of the world uh, in general. Ernie, I got to tell you, first of all, Fiatti was that was beautiful. I mean, you just thank you rush that. Chuck, I'm real hungry after listening to him. Oh, man. You know, uh, you know, TK, like when he says, uh, yeah, I made three type of meatballs. Hey, I just want meatballs, man. Don't be asking me no hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> TK, what you got, man? I'm excited for the NFL draft. But here, here's the thing. Nobody loves the draft more than Ernie. Uh-uh. He loves the draft. No, I don't. Why it's, don't you like the draft, Ernie? TK's being... <laughs> TK is being funny. I just, number one, I enjoy watching football. I'm not a big like NFL guy who like, oh, I got to see who these guys pick. Oh, I got to see if this guy pans out. It's like, I'll watch the next day and say, okay, so he was the first pick, but I can't, I can't sit there and watch all that. I, I mean, I might watch a little bit tonight just because I'm curious how they're going to pull this off when they can't do it the regular way, but no, and, and part of the reason I'm not a big draft fan is because of Steve Fiorello, our director, who's the world's biggest Cleveland Browns fan, and in, in the middle of a production meeting where we're trying to get our NBA show kind of buttoned down, here's what we're going to do, and here's and he's like, I don't know about the Browns. And it's like, I don't care about the Browns. <laughs> so, so, no, I will not be glued to the, to the set for the draft tonight. Chuck, you had a big opinion about hand size, right? Joe yep. Burrow's hands. So he's a nine. Right, which means, and same as you, right? Yes. Okay, so what are your thoughts, since that doesn't seem to hinder anybody, what are your thoughts on the Wonderlick test? You got Jake Fromm, UGA, yes. scored the highest this year out of the quarterbacks. No doubt. Tua scored the lowest. Nobody thinks Jake Fromm is going to be better than Tua. I wish Jake Fromm nothing but the best. I think a lot of those tests – 
to me, they're useless. Uh, I, I, I believe that personally because clearly Tua would have been the number one draft pick if he didn't get hurt. But I think a lot of those tests are very overrated, to be honest with you. That's like when I played for the Sixers. We, uh, Billy Cunningham used to make us run a mile like the first uh, day to see who'd been working out all summer. And I was and I was in Philly for eight years. The guy who won that mile never made the team. Hey, hey we always laughed. It was always me and Moses. We always came in last place, and we've had pretty good careers. Just because you can run a mile don't mean you can play basketball. Well, I don't know if, Ernie, I could ask you to do this, but it's time for a game show. It's the Wonder Chuck test. Uh-oh. We actually have it. So if you have any thoughts on music. Wait, so you know, is this, this a real Wonderlick test? This is a real Wonderlick test for the Chuckster. It's called the Wonder Chuck test. Are you prepared to take it? Yes, sir, I am. da 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 it's Wonder Chuck. Yeah. All right, first question, Chuck. You want to make green paint. Which two colors do you mix together? There's your three choices. Red and blue, yellow and red, blue and yellow. Blue and yellow. Bingo! Chuck, you're doing better than who he played for. Question number two, Ernie. Which amount is smaller, one-fourth or 20%? 20%. Oh, 2-0. Oh. Y'all trying to make people think I'm a dummy. Y'all better cut Charles, that. listen closely. John's mother has four children. Their names are March, April, and May. What's the last child's name? Wait, John's mother has four children. Their names are March, April, May. What's the last child's name? I mean, too simple to say June. What's the last child's name? Who he played for, Chuck? Come on. I'm going to go June. John. John's mother has four children. (laughs) What? John's mother has four children. Four children. Her names were April, March, April, May, and John. Oh, my goodness. That's a trick question. (laughs) Well, final one, Chuck. I don't want you to sweat too much. If you can eat 15 donuts in 10 minutes, how long would it take you to eat 45 donuts? Oh, okay. Okay. Tick, 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 tick. Wait. Carry the six, Ernie. 30, what? Uh, 30 minutes. Oh! Ernie, when is he ever coming close to going three out of four? Technically, he is correct on that one. Okay, dude, that's all that matters, technically. But realistically, you would eat 45 donuts in far less than 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just gone with personal experience there. <laughs> if that's a real wonderful test... What exactly does that have to do with football? TK, I appreciate you letting me know that a Bulldog had the highest uh, score on the Wonderlick. So thank you very much. Yes, sir. There you go. UGA grad. Well, that's it for me, boys. Great to see you again, TK. Welcome you back to the steam room. Uh, Chuckster, 
Uh, I'm assuming uh, if you're anything like every other sports fan in the world that last Sunday you were tuned in to ESPN to watch uh, the last dance, the first two segments. I was watching it. Uh, you know what? It was interesting. I can't wait for the next two episodes. I think they're, they've been teased as much better. That was just like a little appetizer. The thing that I would I remember, and I, I, I hope a lot of these young players watch that, and, and don't worry about all the stuff, but how Michael Jordan just wanted to be great at basketball. Uh, even going back to North Carolina where he told Roy Williams, nobody's going to work harder than me. And Roy says, he turned it on and he never turned it off. And so that that was the first part I hope young kids pay attention to. But also, secondly, how even when he got to the Bulls, he's like, you know, you can ruin your career if you break your foot again. He's like, I don't care. I just want to play basketball. So to me, if every young kid, it's like to, to, today, and like I say, any, you know, anytime we say something about today's kids with the old get off my lawn guys, I mean, I think a lot of these guys, they more, were about more about their brand, how I many the followers they get. But if you just be great at your sport, you're going to get followers and commercials and all that other stuff. And that was the one thing that I took away from episode one and two, how great Michael just wanted to be at basketball. Uh, how about uh, some of the side stories, you know, Scotty Pippen kind of delaying the surgery, I guess, so he would not be available, his his feud with Jerry Krause, that kind of thing. Was that intriguing to you at all? Did you find that interesting? Two things. Number one, I was actually in the same boat as Scotty Pippen. So I don't know Scotty's situation, why he signed that long-term deal. Even Jerry drives around, Darce told him, you shouldn't sign this deal. I signed my deal, Ernie, because my first agent had stole all my money. And I did not know NBA salary was going to explode. So after four years in the NBA, I signed like an eight, nine-year deal. I had the same deal my last four years in Philly, all four of my years in Phoenix. And I was, I was never the highest-paid player on any of my teams because of that. But, you know, knowing Michael the way I know Michael, we had always had private conversations about never complaining about our contract because – you know, people have made a big deal. If you actually pay attention to that story, people made a big deal about Michael making $30 million his last couple of years. But if you go back in the middle of when they were winning all those championships, Michael was barely making a little bit more than Scotty. And he didn't care because he had made the deal. And also, this thing with Jerry, uh, so when Scotty signed a deal because he wanted security, once you sign a deal, I think that's the deal. But let me get to Jerry Krause. I think that Jerry Reinsdorf is so full of crap in this documentary. Let me tell you something. The notion that Jerry Krause was breaking up the bulls on his own volition is laughable. I think that Jerry Reinsdorf made a decision because I know for a fact he did not want to pay Michael because I was with Michael the first time he got the $30 million. He said, can you believe this MF don't want to pay me? And I, I was with Michael when he signed this. So Jerry Reinsdorf trying to, trying to make Reins, uh, Cross look like a bad guy, and he looks like a bad guy. But I think he broke that team up because he didn't want to pay those guys. I mean, clearly that's what happened. And, yeah, Cross looks really bad, but I think it all comes down to Reinsdorf. Like, no, we need to break this team up. I'm paying Michael $30 million. 
I'm going to have to pay Scotty somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm going to have to pay Ryman. And we've had a great run, and I'm not going to pay these guys what they're worth. So uh, that's my recollection of the first two uh, episodes. Apparently we're going to see uh, a lot more of Dennis Rodman in, uh, in segment three and four uh, this, this coming Sunday. I love the teaser and the trailer. I love the fact that when Scotty gets ready to come back, Phil Jackson said, Michael, I need to talk to you. And he goes in the office and said, Dennis needs a vacation. And Michael's <laughs> like, what do you need? Scotty's had a vacation. I need a vacation. And if that doesn't make you laugh, <laughs> when I saw the teaser for that trailer, I was on the floor. Because that, to me, is Dennis Rodman in a nutshell. Like, yo, yo, this dude took a vacation. I want one, too. No, I can't wait to watch it. Sunday night, uh, segments three and four of this 10-part uh, Last Dance. Back to wrap things up on the Steam Room uh, we'll crank up the uh, Chuck's answering machine yes. when we come back. Yes, sir. Back here to wrap up the steam room. Um, yes. Episode number 14 of, of this podcast. And again, we appreciate you being loyal steamers. And uh, we encourage you to tell all your friends uh, to download the Steam Room, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we conclude each episode uh, with the old school Chuck's answering machine. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. What's up, Chuck Barkley? I'm not from America, but I'm from Switzerland. And I just want to say hello to you all and ask, uh, what are your top five beverages to drink, Charles Barkley? Thank you. Wow, Switzerland. How about the, the worldwide reach of, of the steam room? Well, that's a, thank you for watching. Man, Switzerland, that's pretty cool. Well, my five favorite drinks. Uh, number one, I bought a distillery in Alabama called Redmont. We do vodka and gin, so that's my number one drink. Vodka and gin? That's not a drink? No, no, I'm saying uh, we, we make both at my distillery. Okay, okay. Redmont in Alabama. So Redmont with a little cranberry juice or water, they both work for me. Uh, secondly, uh, I love tequila. Costa Dragones is my favorite tequila. 1942 Don Julio is in the conversation. Paps Blue Ribbon is a great beer. No wines yet, huh? Uh, oh, I was going to say, and I, I, I'm not a big wine guy, but Opus One if I drink wine, I drink Opus One, and it's the best wine. I love to drink that. Those are my five favorite drinks. There you go. Just to make sure you're still only drinking on the weekends. Can't wait for tomorrow, brother. <laughs> I'll take I'll take that as a yes. That uh, that still holds. Friday can't get here fast enough, brother. Okay. Uh, next, go. Hey, Chuck. Lifelong steamer from North Carolina. I know you're not on social media, but there's this new trend going around that has a picture of Bill Clinton surrounded by people's top four favorite albums. I know you're a huge music guy, so it got me wondering, what are your top four favorite albums of all time? Uh, great question. Uh, number one, uh, I don't know the exact, any album by Public Enemy. Uh, Public Enemy is my favorite rap group of all time. Anything uh, of Michael Jackson, uh, I love Michael Jackson. Even though he hung up on me, but I still love Michael Jackson. 
Oh, 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 he hung up on you. Yeah. He hung up on me. Well, tell the story. Oh, so, so one day uh, I was on a TV show. Remember when he held the baby over the balcony? Yes, 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 yes. So I was on a show and they were the, the public asset was Gloria Arred was going crazy. And I went crazy on her and telling her to shut up. And, hey, listen, Michael Jackson, I, he just got caught up in the moment. He's not going to hurt no baby, blah, 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 blah. I see. I just don't – y'all make a big deal out every time us celebrities do anything. And that's just unnecessary and uncalled for. So my agent called me. He said, hey, man, Michael Jackson saw you on TV defending him. He wanted to call and say thank you. So I said, can, can you get my number? I said, hell, yeah, he's Michael Jackson. Just give me a time when he's going to call. So he calls. He says – Charles, I said, yes. He says, Michael Jackson. I said, I say, man, I'm your biggest fan. He said, I just called to tell you, I heard what you're saying. That old mean lady, Gloria Ari, was saying about, bad about me on television. I want to thank you for defending me. And then I say, man, I just want to tell you, I'm your biggest fan in the world. Uh, it will be an honor and a privilege to meet you in person. And I keep going, and I say, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I realized that after he said what he wanted to say, he had already hung up. And I was just <laughs> rambling on about, like, what a big fan I was. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I was like, yo, man, I wasn't finished speaking. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what a great story. And I'm going, I'm like, man, I'm just your biggest fan in the world. It'd be an honor and privilege to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I didn't get nothing but dial tone, brother. Oh, my. Something about the Eagles, which is my uh, other favorite band. And give me something uh, by Bruno Mars. I and I don't know. I mean, sometimes I can have specific albums like like Steely Dan, uh, Asia. The Asia album by Steely Dan way back in the 70s would be up there. Anything from the early Beatles takes me back to my childhood. Jimmy Buffett stuff, uh, which always puts you in a good mood, and um, uh, and and fourth would be uh, the Brothers Johnson Stomp. Yes, sir, Chuckster. Great seeing you again, man. Um, hey, man, I look forward to this every week. Everybody, be safe out there and social distance. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Yeah, help somebody if you uh, if you see that they're hurting or they need some help, and do whatever you can. And and let's just keep on doing this, folks. And let's do what we're told. And uh, and uh, we'll get through it. I still believe that. Faith over fear. Love y'all. Bye. <laughs>